Section 35, Volume 3 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Moreau. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3, Section 35. When it was the two hundred and fifteenth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the ship sped on her course, Kamar al-Zaman returned to the garden in cark and care. But anon he rent the place of its owner, and hired a man to help him in irrigating the trees. Moreover, he repaired the trap-door, and he went to the underground chamber, and bringing the rest of the gold to grass, stowed it in other fifty bottles, which he filled up with a layer of olives. Then he inquired of the ship, and they told him that it sailed but once a year, at which his trouble of mind redoubled, and he cried sore for that which had betided him, above all for the loss of the Princess Budur's talisman. And he spent his nights and days weeping and repeating verses. Such was his case, but as regards the ship, she sailed with a favoring wind till she reached the Ebony Islands. Now by decree of destiny, Queen Budur was sitting at a lattice window overlooking the sea, and saw the galley cast anchor upon the strand. At this sight her heart throbbed, and she took horse with the chamberlains and nabobs, and riding down to the shore halted by the ship, whilst the sailors broke bulk and bore the bales to the storehouses. After which she called the captain to her presence, and asked what he had with him. He answered, O oh, king, I have with me in this ship aromatic drugs, and cosmetics, and healing powders, and ointments, and plasters, and precious metals, and rich stuffs, and rugs of Yemen leather, not to be born of mule or camel, and all manner of otters, and spices, and perfumes, civet, and ambergris, and camphor, and Sumatra aloes wood, and tamarinds, and sparrow olives to boot, such as are rare to find in this country. When she heard talk of sparrow olives, her heart longed for them, and she said to the shipmaster, How much of olives hast thou? He replied, Fifty bottles full, but their owner is not with us, so the king shall take what he will of them. Quoth she, Bring them ashore, that I may see them. Thereupon he called to the sailors, who brought her the fifty bottles, and she opened one, and looking at the olives, said to the captain, I will take the whole fifty, and pay you their value, whatso it be. He answered, By Allah, O my lord, they have no value in our country. Moreover, their shipper tarried behind us, and he is a poor man. Asked she, And what are they worth here? And he answered, A thousand dirhams. I will take them at a thousand, she said, and bade them carry the fifty bottles to the palace. When it was night, she called for a bottle of olives and opened it, there being none in the room but herself in the princess Hayat al-Nufus. Then, placing a dish before her, she turned into it the contents of the jar, when there fell out into the dish with the olives a heap of red gold. And she said to the lady Hayat al-Nufus, This is not but gold. So she sent for the rest of the bottles, and found them all full of precious metal, and scarce enough olives to fill a single jar. Moreover, she sought among the gold, and found therein the talisman, which she took and examined, and behold, it was that which Kamar al-Zaman had taken from off the band of her petticoat trousers. Thereupon she cried out for joy, and slipped down in a swoon. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say.
when it was the two hundred and sixteenth night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that when king budur saw the talisman she cried out for joy and slipped down in a swoon and when she recovered she said to herself verily this talisman was the cause of my separation from my beloved kamar al-zaman but now it is an omen of good then she showed it to hayat al-nufus and said to her this was the cause of disunion and now please allah it shall be the cause of reunion as soon as the day dawned she seated herself on the royal throne and sent for the shipmaster who came into the presence and kissed the ground before her quoth she where didst thou leave the owner of these olives quoth he o king of the age we left him in the land of the magians and he is a gardener there she rejoined except thou bring him to me thou knowest not the harm which awaiteth thee in thy ship then she bade them seal up the magazines of the merchants and she said to them verily the owner of these olives hath borrowed of me and i have a claim upon him for debt and unless ye bring him to me i will without fail do you all die and seize your goods so they went to the captain and promised him the hire of the ship if he would go and return a second time saying deliver us from this masterful tyrant accordingly the skipper embarked and set sail and allah decreed him a prosperous voyage till he came to the island of the magians and lighting by night went up to the garden now the night was long upon kamar al-zaman and he sat bethinking him of his beloved and bewailing what had befallen him and versifying a night whose stars refused to run their course a night of those which never seem outworn like resurrection day of longsome length to him that watched and waited for the morn now at this moment the captain knocked at the garden gate and kamar al-zaman opened and went out to him whereupon the crew seized him and went down with him on board the ship and set sail forthright and they ceased not voyaging days and nights whilst kamar al-zaman knew not why they dealt thus with him but when he questioned them they replied thou hast offended against the lord of the ebony islands the son-in-law of king armanus and thou hast stolen his monies miserable that thou art said he by allah i never entered that country nor do i know where it is however they fared on with him till they made the ebony islands and landing carried him up to the lady budur who knew him at sight and said leave him with the eunuchs that they may take him to the bath then she relieved the merchants of the embargo and gave the captain a robe of honour worth ten thousand pieces of gold and after returning to the palace she went in that night to the princess hayat al-nufus and told her what had passed saying keep thou my counsel till i accomplish my purpose and do a deed which shall be recorded and shall be read by kings and commoners after we be dead and gone and when she gave orders that they bear kamar al-zaman to the bath they did so and clad him in a royal habit so that when he came forth he resembled a willow bough or a star which shamed the greater and lesser light and its glow and his life and soul returned to his frame then he repaired to the palace and went into the princess budur and when she saw him she schooled her heart to patience till she should have accomplished her purpose and she bestowed on him mamelukes and eunuchs camels and mules moreover she gave him a treasury of money and she ceased not advancing him from dignity to dignity till she made him lord high treasurer and committed to his charge all the treasures of the state 
and she admitted him to familiar favor and acquainted the emirs with his rank and dignity. And all loved him, for Queen Budur did not cease day by day to increase his allowances. As for Kamar al-Zaman, he was at a loss anent to the reason of her thus honoring him, and he gave gifts of largesse out of the abundance of the wealth, and he devoted himself to the service of King Armanus, so that the king and all the emirs and people, great and small, adored him, and were wont to swear by his life. Nevertheless, he ever marveled at the honor and favor shown him by Queen Budur, and said to himself, By Allah, there needs must be a reason for this affection. Peradventure this king favoreth me not with these immoderate favors, save for some ill purpose, and therefore there is no help but that I crave leave of him to depart his realm. So he went into Queen Budur, and said to her, O king, thou hast overwhelmed me with favors, but it will fulfill the measure of thy bounties if thou take from me all thou hast been pleased to bestow upon me, and permit me to depart. She smiled and asked, What maketh thee seek to depart and plunge into new perils, whereas thou art in the enjoyment of the highest favor and greatest prosperity? Answered Kamar al-Zaman, O king, verily this favor, if there be no reason for it, is indeed a wonder of wonders, more by token that thou hast advanced me to dignities such as befit men of age and experience, albeit I am as it were a young child. And Queen Budur rejoined, The reason is that I love thee for thine exceeding loveliness and thy surpassing beauty, and if thou wilt but grant me my desire of thy body, I will advance thee yet farther in honor and favor and largesse and I will make thee wazir, for all thy tender age, even as the folk made me sultan over them, and I no older than thou. So that nowadays there is nothing strange when children take the head, and by Allah he was a gifted man who said, It seems as though of Lot's tribe were our days, and crave with love to advance the young in years. When Kamar al-Zaman heard these words he was abashed, and his cheeks flushed till they seemed to flame, and he said, I need not these favors which lead to the commission of sin. I will live poor in wealth, but wealthy in virtue and honor. Quoth she, I am not to be duped by thy scruples, arising from prudery and coquettish ways. And Allah bless him who saith, To him I spake of coupling, but he said to me, How long this noise, long persistency! But when gold piece I showed him, he cried, Who from the Almighty Sovereign e'er shall flee? Now when Kamar al-Zaman heard these words, and understood her verses and their import, he said, O king, I have not the habit of these doings, nor have I the strength to bear these heavy burthens for which elder than I have proved unable. Then how will it be with my tender age? But she smiled at his speech and retorted, Indeed, it is a matter right marvellous how error springeth from the disorder of man's intendement. Since thou art a boy, why standest thou in fear of sin, or the doing of things forbidden, seeing that thou art not yet come to years of canonical responsibility, and the offences of a child incur neither punishment nor reproof? Verily thou hast committed thyself to a quibble for the sake of contention, and it is thy duty to bow before a proposal of fruition, so henceforward cease from denial and coyness, for the commandment of Allah is a decree foreordained. Indeed, I have more reason than thou to fear falling, and by sin to be misled, and well inspired was he who said, 
my prickle is big and the little one said thrust boldly in vitals with lion-like stroke then i tis a sin and he no sin to me so i had him at once with a counterfeit poke when kamar al-zaman heard these words the light became darkness in his sight and he said o king thou hast in thy household fair women and female slaves who have not their like in this age shall not these suffice thee without me do thy will with them and let me go she replied thou sayest sooth but it is not with them that one who loveth thee can heal himself of torment and can abate his fever for when taste and inclinations are corrupted by vice they hear and obey other than good advice so leave arguing and listen to what the poet saith seest not the bazaar with its fruit in rows these men are for figs and for sycamore those and what another saith many whose anklet rings are dumb have tinkling belts and this hath all content while that from want must wail thou biddest me be a fool and quit thee for her charms allah forfend i leave the faith turn infidel nay by rights of side-bearded mocking all her curls nor mot nor maid from thee my heart shall spell and yet another o beauty's union love for thee's my creed free choice of faith and eke my best desire women i have forsworn for thee so may deem me all men this day a shaveling friar and yet another even not beardless one with girl nor heed the spy who saith to thee tis an amiss far different is the girl whose feet one kisses and that gazelle whose feet the earth must kiss and yet another a boy of twice ten is fit for a king and yet another the penis smooth and round was made with anus best to match it had it been made for cunna's sake it had been formed like a hatchet and yet another said my soul thy sacrifice i chose thee out who art thou not menstruous nor oviparous did i with women mell i should beget brats till the wide wide world grew straight for us and yet another she saith sore hurt in the sense most acute for she had proffered what did not besuit unless thou stroke as man should swive his wife blame not when horns thy brow shall incornute thy wand seems waxen to a limpo grown and more i palm it softer grows the brute and yet another quoth she for i to lie with her forbore o folly following fool o fool to the core if thou my cointa for kibla to thy quenya reject we'll shall please thee more and yet another she proffered me her tender cointi quoth i i will not roger thee she drew back saying from the faith he turns whose turn by heaven's decree and frontwise fluttering in one day is obsolete persistency then she swung round in shining rump like silvern lump she showed me i cried well done o mistress mine no more am i in pain for thee o thou of all that allah opened show me fairest victory and yet another men craving pardon will uplift their hands women pray pardon with their legs on high out on it for a pious prayerful work the lord shall raise it in the depths to lie when kamar al-zaman heard this poetry and was certified that there was no escaping compliance with what willed she he said 
O king of the age, if thou must needs have it so, make covenant with me that thou wilt do this thing with me but once, though it avail not to correct thy depraved appetite, and thou wilt never again require this thing of me to the end of time, so perchance Allah may purge me of the sin. She replied, I promise thee this thing, hoping that Allah of his favor will relent toward us both and blot out our mortal offense. For the girdle of heaven's forgiveness is not indeed so straight, but it may compass us around and absolve us of the excess of our heinous sins, and bring us to the light of salvation out of the darkness of error. And indeed excellently well saith the poet, Of evil thing the folk suspect us twain, and to this thought their hearts and souls are bent. Come, dear, let's justify and free their souls that wrong us. One good bout and then repent. Thereupon she made him a solid agreement and a covenant, and swore a solemn oath by him who is self-existent, that this thing should befall betwixt them but once, and never again for all time, and that the desire of him was driving her to death and perdition. So he rose up with her on this condition, and went with her to her own boudoir, that she might quench the low of her lust, saying, There is no majesty, and there is no might save in Allah the glorious, the great. This is the fated decree of Allah powerful, Allah wise. And he doffed his bag trousers, shameful and abashed, with the tears running from his eyes for stress of affright. Thereat she smiled, and making him mount upon a couch with her, said to him, After this night thou shalt see naught that will offend thee. Then she turned to him, bussing and bosoming, and bending calf over calf, and said to him, Put thy hand between my thighs to the accustomed place, so haply it may stand up to prayer after prostration. He wept and cried, I am not good at aught of this. But she said, But my life, and thou do as I bid thee, it shall profit thee. So he put out his hand with vitals of fire for confusion, and found her thighs cooler than cream and softer than silk. The touching of them pleasured him, and he moved his hand hither and thither, till it came to a dome abounding in good gifts, and movements, and shifts, and said in himself, Perhaps this king is a hermaphrodite, neither man nor woman quite. So he said to her, O king, I cannot find that thou hast a tool like the tools of men. What then moved thee to do this deed? Then loudly laughed the queen Budur, till she fell on her back, and said, O oh, my dearling, how quickly thou hast forgotten the nights we have lain together! Then she made herself known to him, and he knew her for his wife, the Lady Budur, daughter of King Al-Gayur, lord of the isles in the seas. So he embraced her, and she embraced him, and he kissed her, and she kissed him. Then they lay down on the bed of pleasure, voluptuous, repeating the words of the poet. When his softly bending shape bid him close to my embrace, which clips him all about like tendrils of the vine, and shed a flood of softness on the hardness of his heart. He yielded, though at first he was minded to decline, and dreading lest the railer's eyes should light upon his form, came armored with caution to baffle his design. His waist makes moan of hinder cheeks that weigh upon his feet, like heavy load of merchandise upon young camel lion. Girt with his glances, scimitar which seemed a thirst for blood, and clad in mail of dusky curls that show the sheeniest shine. His fragrance wafted happy news of footstep coming nigh, and to him like a bird uncaged I flew in the straightest line. 
I spread my cheek upon his path beneath his sandal shoon, and lo, the stibium of their dust healed all my hurt of vine. With one embrace again I bound the banner of our loves, and loosed the knot of my delight that bound in bonds malign. Then bade I make high festival, and straight come flocking in, pure joys know not of grizzled age, nor aught of pain and pine. The full moon dotted with the stars the lips and pearly teeth, that dance right joyously upon the bubbling face of wine. So in the prayer niche of their joys I yielded me to what would make the humblest penitent of sinners most in dine. I swear by all the signs of those glories in his face, I'll ne'er forget the chapter entitled Aliklas. Then Queen Budur told Kamar al-Zaman all that had befallen her from beginning to end, and he did likewise, after which he began to upbraid her, saying, What moved thee to deal with me as thou hast done this night? She replied, Pardon me, for I did this by way of jest, and that pleasure and gladness might be increased. And when dawned the morn, and day arose with its sheen and shone, she went to King Armanus, sire of the Lady Hayat al-Nufus, and acquainted him with the truth of the case, and that she was wife to Kamar al-Zaman. Moreover, she told him their tale, and the cause of their separation, and how his daughter was a virgin, pure as when she was born. He marvelled at their story with exceeding marvel, and bade them chronicle it in letters of gold. Then he turned to Kamar al-Zaman, and said, O king's son, art thou minded to become my son-in-law by marrying my daughter? replied he, I must consult the Queen Budur, as she hath a claim upon me for benefits without stint. And when he took counsel with her, she said, Right is thy reckoning, marry her, and I will be her handmaid, for I am her debtor for kindness and favor and good offices, and obligations manifold, especially as we are here in her place, and as the king her father hath whelmed us with benefits. Now when he saw that she inclined to this, and was not jealous of Hayat al-Nufus, he agreed with her upon this matter. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section 35 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3